Hey everybody, this is Corey from Grimsteel Games. Thanks for checking out this episode of Should I Play It? Before we introduce our guest for the show, I wanted to start with a quick plug. I was asked after our first episode about the music we use during the intro. The clip is from a song Another World by local Western mass rockers Hero and the Horror. They have a new album coming out shortly that I can't wait to get my hands on. If you're into hard rock and heavy metal like I am, check them out at heroandthehorror.com. The guys from the band are awesome, and I can't thank them enough for giving us permission to use the track for the podcast. Speaking of which, here it is. Welcome back, everybody. I want to also welcome today's guests, Daniel Lesson and Jason Grossman from Black Labrador Creations, who are here to talk about their tactical, historical, very cool deck building game, Loyalty or Liberty. Before we get into the game, uh, can you both take a moment to introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about Black Labrador Creations for me? Well, uh, I, Daniel Lesson, am a uh, board game, the board game designer, the CEO, and the author for Black Labrador Creations, LLC. Uh, apart from that, I do a bit of ballroom dance, a bit of uh, reenacting, and a bit of uh, figuring wargaming and painting for fun, for fun on the side, basically. And um, yeah, it's a, essentially an organization, Black Labrador Creations is an organization where we try to sort of uh, engage, <laughs> engage in a bit of, uh, you know, uh, writing of books and designing of board games that fit uh, historical themes usually, but we're trying to branch out a bit from there as well. So usually a bit of alternative history stuff when we do do the history stuff as well, because it's fun to see all sides of the story. Awesome. And ballroom dancing. I'm guessing that of all of my guests moving forward, nobody is going to say that they're a ballroom dancer on the side. Well, it's a lot of fun. I actually highly recommend it when you get the chance, basically. Uh, I recently had a fun time uh, dancing, uh, swing dancing, actually, uh, triple and single swing at a famous hideout for 1920s Minneapolis-based mobsters, which is pretty cool, basically. That is, that is awesome. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> And Jason, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm Jason Grossman. Uh, I'm the art director for Black Laboratory Creations, but I've also been working as a freelance illustrator for uh, over 15 years in uh, the publishing industry, video games. Uh, just the, if you need something drawn, I'll get it done for you. Uh, and uh, I've had the honor to walk, work with this fine gentleman here, uh, working on his projects on his last two books and uh, the Lowly to Liberty, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. So it's been a it's been a good uh, good time in our career. Yeah, and I was I'll say that having looked at the uh, some of the the publicly available art for Loyal, loyalty or liberty, very cool stuff. Um, looks awesome. You're talking to kind of a history nerd myself, so that that's kind of what piqued my interest about the game. Uh, so l- let's dive right into it. Um, before we get into the 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 why, uh, what's it all about? So it's a deck-building card game of the American War of Independence, uh, whereupon it's a uh, point-driven system, basically. The two, the two players do agree upon a certain number of points you want to spend towards purchasing an army therewith, basically. The army of which is comprised of a, an officer, soldiers, weapon loadouts, event cards, and the currency cards used to sort of... Uh, deploy the soldiers and activate the event cards for future consumption and usage on the battlefield. And uh, when you uh, pick an officer, you're looking at one of the three officers of seven different historical factions of the war. The officers themselves are historical too, and their buffs, rallies, and uh, special abilities, basically, and general capacities on the field 
are uh, based around how they actually performed on the battlefield historically and everything. And they kind of help maneuver the army in ways similar to their, well, similar to the counterparts, of course. Um, and uh, the army is comprised of, on a battalion level of seven different types of troops per faction, each with their own special abilities on a unit and national basis. So, you know, line infantry across the board have similar special abilities, but based upon the uh, nation they come from, they've got different training and lo- training levels and styles and everything, so they've got special abilities. So therefore, French and British line infantry would operate similarly, but also differently at the same time. And they're drafted as chits with little reference cards determining their loadouts, their defensive values, their... Uh, movement abilities and their uh, morale threshold and everything like that, basically. And um, yeah, they've got their ranged and melee weaponry, which can sort of differ from the starting, which you can cause to have differ from the starting loadout, basically. And, you know, it, by, by raising or lowering the price of the unit, basically, you can give them better or worse weapons, which allow you to get more troops or fewer troops with higher quality and everything. And uh in order to access these troops from your reserves, you're going to need deployment currency cards. Uh, you start off with a couple basically at the beginning, but they're only enough to really get like militia and line infantry onto the battlefield. So if you want to get like specialist troops and everything, you need to get the higher tier deployment uh, currency cards, which will cost more basically. And uh, the number of, of troops you can move to the battlefield per turn is based off of the... Uh, movement value of the officer card as well and sort of puts a cap on the maximum number of units you can deploy for that turn basically uh there are also lady luck cards which are part of the currency loadouts as well basically current currency deck as well basically like the deployment cards uh and they can allow you to impact the battlefield via event cards which are powerful one-time usage cards which can change the tides of battle on the field and incarnate themselves as anything from like, you know, calling in surgeons to treat your wounded troops through the first aid card uh, to restore unit hit points or a reinforcement card to allow you to sort of uh, deploy troops for free in terms of deployment, but, but it costs a bit of uh, a bit less of lady luck points to do so. And even stuff like naval bombardments and everything like that. And uh, so again, as I said, you start off with a few of the, uh, each of the low denomination versions of both Lady Luck and uh, deployment cards, but you need more to, to access the better stuff, basically. And when you have your decks all set up sufficiently, you and your opponent proceed to start building a map of, your, of the battlefield together. Uh, and basically, you uh, because the battlefields in this game are sort of historically feasible, but not historically accurate. And the players take turns putting down a number of terrain cards equivalent to the scout value of their officers, trying to form a five-by-five map and trying to disrupt their opponent's positioning and sort of hem them in using uh, the, in sort of a mini game before the battle, sort of scouting the map, trying to figure out how best to sort of uh, confound opposition, enemy placement in opposition, basically. Uh, and then basically the game really begins with you know, turn, players taking turns drawing uh, four cards per turn from their currency deck to see how many Lady Luck points and currency points they can rack up for that round, allowing them to deploy troops and activate event cards. And then when deployed, troops in their little chit format can uh, maneuver the battlefield uh, from, the, from the terrain cards you put down and sort of fight each other using Dungeons & Dragons-esque statistics. And uh, 
And in the meantime, when you uh, get enough Lady Luck cards to activate event cards, you can bring them to bear anytime you want after they're paid for in Lady Luck points. And as enemy troops are defeated, the overall army disposition of the forces uh, suffer, sort of like, uh, which is, and the army disposition is sort of like life and Magic the Gathering in a sense, basically. Uh, so you start off with 20 usually, and um, when you have, uh, when, you, when your troops, when enemy troops are routed, uh, that they, they, um, the, the, the player controlling them loses army disposition equivalent to their deployment value. Uh, and it also doesn't help when, you know, the enemy camps are ravaged, which is done by stationing your troops on the far side of the map where the enemy camp is and then having the troops pass their time there so they can sort of pillage the enemy camps. And between those two factors, uh, basically, um, uh, the enemy is slowly, was slowly whittled down based off of their army disposition. And when it equals zero, the game is lost for that side and that particular enemy is routed. It's fun times, I would say. That sounds fascinating. I think one one question they have, and I have a question for Jason too. But um, with when it comes to the starting values, those starting low denomination cards, a lot of deck builders begin with in, in very like exactly the same starting uh, values. It sounds like you actually have a little bit of leeway, and it's a little bit a little a little strategic at the beginning before you start versus some of the other games, which is just you get these cards to start and then you build your deck up. Is that a fair assessment? That's one of the biggest parts of this game is how strategic every phase, even the the beginning of picking your units in going into the, the, the factoring what type of map you might be facing, you're being strategic. And that's the such a big focus because with this game, you, 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 have, you have to be comprehending, okay, well, I really want to be using artillery. I really like it. But if I really focus on our artillery based army, my opponent might start placing a lot of uh, obstacles for, the, for for me to lose some mobility of my units. And I might have the range, but if they get in close, I'm going to have some issues. And you're going to be thinking about that. So you're, even if you think you figured out the perfect army, each game, that, that army, even if it was perfect for one, it's not going to be perfect for the next because there's so many factors of changing how the field's going to go. And that's something that I really love about this game. Uh, Jason, before I get into the, the main question of the podcast, I got to ask you a side question. Yeah, sure. You're the artist, or one of the artists. Oh what God. was your What was your favorite card to draw? Uh, <laughs> Trick question, right? Well, I uh, I did uh, when it came to the artwork of the cards. I actually ended up working on two of them. My artwork was mostly the stuff for the cover artwork and the manual art. But uh, if I, but if we were just going over what my favorite artwork in general is, I've always really liked the naval bombardment. Um, I thought that it did a great execution of that fuelment of ships firing these large artillery pieces from the from the decks. Uh, it's always been a big thing for me when it came to the artwork for this game. Um, w- w- one of the things that I will say when it with our, when it just with the whole feel of the artwork in our game is that we really tried to keep it period accurate, mm. and that was something that I think was a great suggestion from Daniel. Because all the artwork in the game is based off of that that time period's painting styles, we made sure to mimic that as much as we could to really keep that feel of of these really beautifully painted oil paintings. Uh, but uh, also, but uh, keeping the 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 feel with those with the oil techniques with combined with more modern techniques of creating action, and that was that was a big. Uh, difficulty but we really overcame it and that was all because of daniel's uh 
vision of how he wanted his art for his game was for 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 people who've worked with he's been a great uh great envisionary of what he wants for his games well i certainly tried my best but i couldn't have done it without the incredible uh, uh assistance of jason himself and as well as the original uh artist for the cards as well for that matter too carl duff did a spectacular job with the uh soldier cards and the event cards as well, basically, and everything like that. And I just, you know, I might have uh, had a couple of uh, interesting ideas here and there, basically. And I suppose I definitely, and I came up with the mechanics, I guess, basically. But I, there, are, there are considerable contributors, basically. And I, and I, as I know nothing of the art world and everything like that, basically, apart from the odd, you know, Benjamin Wests and everything like that, basically. Uh, it was wonderful to see it actually take take on a fantastic reality, I would say, and their support, their moral support as well was out of this world, to say the least. That's great. I think it's important to have a uh, cohesive designer and an art um, collaboration when it comes to these things or else they get to be really difficult. All right. So here's the crux. Here's the, the reason why I, I wanted to do this podcast and I can't wait to to do more of them. What makes loyalty or liberty unique? If I'm sitting there in the store or I, I have it and maybe a couple other cart deck builders in my shopping cart online, why am I going to keep that in, in my shopping cart and buy it? What, what's going to what's the, the thing that's going to make me really want to play this game the most? Coming from uh, then from doing art, I, I also bought the game. Um, I, I, I thought the thing that really got me is that everything that you need to play this game is in the box. From a lot of military games like this, you got to buy so many extra units and expansion packs, and then you you're investing so much money. Like I'm a huge Warhammer player. Yeah. My cheapest Warhammer army costs me six hundred dollars, and I still and that's not counting the painter or anything. You know, the time I got to paint it. Well, Daniel's game right out of the box. I have everything I need to play. I just need to take a look at the manual and just a, probably in about ten minutes, I'm ready to go to figure out how I want to build my deck, and and I can't say that a lot of uh, miniature uh, tactical games like this. They, they take so much time to prep and uh, the prep time to get it off the ground. And after you're done building your army, that's your army. That's what you're going to be playing for the rest of the time with, with your with your playthroughs. With Daniel's game, each time you play, you're going to be playing a different army. You're going to be trying different strategies. You're going to be looking at the different officers. You're going to have so many options. So it has so much replayability, which is something that I really love about his game. Um, to the fact that uh, we were just uh, showing the game uh, just a few weeks ago at Otakon, which is, I don't know if you're familiar, it's a pretty big anime show. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't think a uh, history-based board game would do that well at an anime show. <laughs> How does this connect, right? But on our very first day, we sold a very good amount of copies, and we had people coming back the very next day talking about after they were done with the show that night, they came... They, they came uh, back to the whole tunes after a long day at convention, you know, they're tired, but they found this as the perfect game to play before they go to bed and get ready for the next day. And we had multiple people coming back saying that to us. We had people even coming back on the Sunday coming to buy a second copy for their friends. And it's, it's just the fact that this is that this game is so easy to uh, get off the ground and start playing. It works so well that way. Absolutely, basically. I think the mechanics and the replayability are pretty spectacular and reason worthy of uh, consideration for sure. They certainly don't require an apology, if you ask me. I think they're good. Uh, but um, but I think also it's kind of nice, too, because a lot of them, 
American War of Independence themed war games and everything also basically tend to uh, downplay the role of the indigenous population or uh, the African-American population or the various other European powers that were not the British or the Germans or whatever, basically, because, you know, it was all about America and everything like that. But uh, no, I think I think it's very important to basically show, I thought it was very cool that my my game shows elements of, you know, the uh, the French and the Spanish playing significantly more roles, basically. I even went, I went so far as to basically translate uh, the the flavor names basically of all the line infantry and everything like that into the uh, the proper languages for their for the faction in question basically so you know infantry regiment such and such for the Germans whatever basically or you know uh, regimentio de linea for the Spanish and everything like that basically um, and across the board for all the unit different types and everything and I think it's also cool that I did the cultural diversity I didn't just call them indigenous or Native American allies, whatever, they gave them their own faction with their own officers. And, um, you know, I also gave different sorts of cultures of Native Americans, different um, abilities too and everything. We have the Miami, we've got the Delaware, and we've got the uh, Iroquois Confederacy, which I should have called them the Haudenosaunee. Sorry about that, you guys. But, you know, it's, uh, I only recently learned about that change in name myself, or the change in what you're supposed to call them myself. Yeah. And um, also, for that matter, too, we are uh, seriously considering releasing uh, some expansion packs that add, that add in additional characters that were sought after by some of our uh, constituents as well. Basically, a lot of people were outraged that there was no Hamilton card when he was a colonel of artillery, if I'm not mistaken, basically, which is you know, an important role, but not quite on the level of the other guys. But we, we were considering adding him in for future runs. Uh, because, you know, much as we're leery of expansions, we want to also cater to the population, too, and everything like that, too. And uh, we also want to add in some African-American heroes as well, which is why we're adding in the loyalist uh, officer, uh, Colonel Titus, by any chance? Are you familiar with him by any chance? I remember the name from history class, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He was a famous African-American uh, partisan warrior, basically, who led a... Uh, well, he was originally part of a, uh, he was from New Jersey originally, escaped his master, basically, went down to Virginia to sort of um, join Lord Dunmore's Ethiopian regiment, which was basically a force comprised of freed African-American slaves, mm -hmm. became a sergeant amongst them, basically, uh, and um, fought very well and very hard in the initial battles, but eventually they were pushed back. So he was called upon to evacuate to New York City, whereupon Sir Henry Clinton offered him a position as the commander of a group of uh, combat engineers, pioneers, they're called, basically. And he actually politely declined this position, basically, and instead went on to uh, go back to his homeland, basically, in Tom's River, New Jersey, in that general area, basically, and terrorized the rebellion population there with a partisan force of his own, basically, rebel-inclined ones, basically. fought this sort of crazy, awesome... Uh, guerrilla action, basically, for many years, actually, very successfully uh, against uh, rebel recruiters and re rebel militias in the area, basically. Quite an interesting wow. character, to say the least, yeah. And he had, like, 20 men in his command at all. At all. So his, 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 I, the fact that he was a colonel is more of a, just an honorific, basically. But at the same time, these 20 men did a considerable amount to damage uh, rebel recruiting efforts in southern Jersey territories. So hearing that, 
I'd say one of the things that strikes me is the amount of research that you did into the the War of Revolution, the War of Independence. Um, how how many how many hours did you spend researching as you were creating the game? Well, as I was creating the game, maybe not as many as I probably should have. I brushed up is the thing basically due to the fact that uh, I have a, I have a reenacting background is the thing basically. I back in when I was living in New Jersey before my, my Minnesota days, I was part of the Royal Provincial Fourth Battalion New Jersey Volunteers, Loyalist uh, Line Infantry, basically the the green coats that you'll find in the uh, game, and uh, yeah. Um, Actually, we served under Cortland Skinner, which is one of the officers as well, which is partially why I included him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so I basically learned a lot about what I wanted to learn about in the reenacting world, and I kind of became something of a specialist in certain areas. And I like to learn about the various uh, minority populations, basically, in the Revolutionary War period. And I had a lot of very good mentors because I made friends with, you know, some of the lead historians of African-American uh, uh, leadership in the Revolutionary War, um, led by a gentleman named, uh, possibly one of the leaders on the topic basically is Antoine Watts, for that matter, who is, who is the uh, uh, an officer in the uh, First Rhode Island Regiment, basically, reenactment group. He's wonderful. And, um, you know, I also have the uh, honor of serving under the... Uh, one of the foremost authorities of loyalist studies as well, Todd Braestead, basically, when it comes to the uh, loyalist studies and everything. So, so I, I was very privileged in that respect. He definitely brought that to the game um, to the point that there was uh, drawings that we had to redo because we drew the, the Flimbach mechanism that we picked of that, uh, that we drew happened to be uh, too, too late. It was uh, uh, that... Uh, that we had to re we had to redesign it. We, well, I think one of them we we were actually we were drew, doing artwork uh, for the uh, I think it was for the, the, the Americans, and they were the flintlock that we used uh, was actually draw it was drawn the right direction the first time, but we flipped the image. So when you flip the image, the flintlock shouldn't be seen anymore. And uh, Daniel, with his with his with his large knowledge of history at the time period, caught that because that's something that we wouldn't. Uh, so he was when it came to the artwork, to the characters, the history was always important. Um, we even made sure the teapots, which were in a few inside the manual, were area appropriate. Right, <laughs> <laughs> ones that uh, British officers would use. That's a cool uh, attention to detail. That's that's something that not many people would pick up on, but I'm sure that history enthusiasts would would catch it and say, "Hey, wait a minute." That that looks slightly off. Yeah, um, so he sure that he, he he's one of those history guys, so he wants to make sure. Well, well, um, <laughs> you're a fan of history. You're very knowledgeable, and you know the people that want to buy your game. So you, you wanted to make sure that even that little detail that everybody else is not going to notice, but there's going to be that one guy. You make sure that one guy is happy. Speaking about buying the game, I mentioned having it in my my shopping cart or having it in my hand in the store. Where can people find loyalty or liberty? All right. Well, as I understand it, basically, let's see here. In Minnesota, the Source Comics and Games is currently carrying it, basically. Um, we have uh, Tower Games carrying it as well, basically. So that's in Roseville and in uh, Minneapolis, specifically. Uh, we, have, we have the chain Games by James, which is like six or eight stores, uh, having it on consignment for the time being, sort of a trial period or whatever, basically. Uh, 
And then in Colorado, I think it's Manavault Games. Is that correct? Uh, we also have uh, some stores in Jersey uh, right now. I know that uh, uh, the, the store that still has it in stock is the Gilded Raven. They still have like two copies left. Uh, but the best way to get the game from us is buying it from our website, Black Laboratory Creations. Uh, just, just double checking. I get the uh, yeah, BlackLaboratoryCreations.com. Uh, you can find it right there. Available. Also available on on our site is Daniel's two books that he just released, the Fitch Folios which are a great thing to get together with the game. They're, they're, they're nice compliments to each other. Daniel, Jason, I, I can't wait to check it out. Uh, I think this is a very cool concept as a history buff myself. And I can't thank you guys enough for joining me. Uh, we will make sure that all of that information is also available in the show description, show notes, uh, and across our social media as well. So I encourage everybody listening, check them out. Uh, you guys are, are awesome and I can't wait to, if you're ever in a, a show in my area, please let me know. I will head out. Maybe if you make it to PAX East next year, uh, would love to love that show and would love to come and, uh, and hang out with you for a little bit. So I appreciate it. And, um, thank you very much for show- joining me today. I appreciate it a lot. It was my pleasure. And I hope Jason's too, for that matter, certainly. Yes. Oh, it was a wonderful podcast. Uh, hope we get uh, invited back for one of our upcoming projects. Absolutely. You can hold me to that. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Thank you so much. Again, my name's Corey, uh, the editor-in-chief at Grimstill Games. And thanks again for Daniel and Jason for joining me. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care.